everyone, and welcome to another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. I'm Josh. And I'm Andy. And Andy, it's been a while. How you been? Uh, living the dream, man. I got my first ear infection as an adult about a week ago. <laughs> One, I didn't even know it was possible to have it as a grown-up. And two, I will never say another word to my kids when they have an ear infection. They are going to get like the royal treatment you can lay out on the couch. You can watch movies, ice cream, whatever you want, because it sucks. Are you sure you're not a small child? <laughs> like, I, I agree. I didn't even know that was a thing. I literally said that to my doctor. I was like, I didn't even know this was possible. And she laughed. She's like, yeah, yeah. Adults can get them. I was like, I thought this was a kid thing. Yeah, I thought your eustachian tubes would be nice and vertical and you would be fine. But, uh, man, okay. So that's <laughs> that's out of the ordinary, I would say. How was your Thanksgiving? So we, uh, we stayed home so we just did the the four of us and we did it on wednesday because the oldest was gone on thanksgiving day so it was definitely not so traditional um sucked not being able to see the family you know the extended family and have that traditional food i actually cooked thanksgiving so that was a new adventure um but we had a good time how about you oh uh, it was a good time for us as well um we uh, were more active than you, but less than a normal year. Um, we had all the immediate families over, and those people had, you know, been watching our kids and whatnot. Uh, donuts for breakfast with uh, uh, my wife's uh, dad's family, and then over to my uh, family's for the main meal, and then over to uh, my wife's mom's side for dessert afterwards. So um thanksgiving is always the craziest day of the year for us christmas we can spread out over at least two days and kind of uh you know share the wealth and spread out the driving from place to place thanksgiving is just a mad rush day so uh we got through it um uh and it was delicious as always uh andy we're gonna jump right in today's gonna be a double list uh episode uh, and let's so, go uh, cue, cueing us up our very first list of the week of the episode it's the list of the week uh top five items that you must have on your thanksgiving day plate uh so i'm gonna just put a you know a, a minimal criteria on this this must that you know your list must consist of things that have actually been on your thanksgiving day plate at some point in your lifetime so nothing crazy. We can't, you know, pick, you know, Chinese food if you've never had that and whatnot. Um, you know, be as traditional or not as traditional as you want, but we're just going to swamp. We'll go pretty rapid fire. So uh, number five on your list uh, for your Thanksgiving plate. Uh, number five, turkey. I mean, you got to have turkey. It's classic. It's honestly, I feel like you have to eat the turkey to kind of get to the other stuff. Um but it's not Thanksgiving if you don't have turkey. So turkey number five on the list. <laughs> All right. So I'm already gonna, you know, shit in the bed of of this uh of this top five list that my controversial food conti- uh, opinions continue. Number five on my list, again, has been on my plate before, kibasa. So turkey is let's be honest, turkey's just not really that good. You know, we we pretend that this is this wonderful meal and the turkey is the centerpiece and we spend all this time cooking it. I mean, it could be good, you know, especially if it's moist and flavorful. But for the most part, it's, it's just turkey. It needs gravy. It needs something else. Kibasa, on the other hand, 
a, a delicacy, just wonderful. Put a little mustard on it. Uh, uh, excellent substitute on your Thanksgiving Day plate. Kielbasa is one of those things, man. If you're going to have that at like one o'clock in the afternoon for Thanksgiving, you got a plan to be down on the couch for the rest of the day, though. Oh, it's biological warfare. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> victims beware. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to curveball on five. I'm going to say Kielbasa. What's your four? Uh, so number four, I, I don't even know how exactly to describe this. And, and so this is the thing that was definitely missing this year with me cooking. I didn't make this. It's my mom makes them every year. They're just these little biscuit things, man. They come from Kroger. They're just, they come in like a big sheet of them and then you just tear them apart and they're delicious. I always fight my sister for the last, I mean, we'll eat eight of them a, a piece and then we'll still fight over the last one. So some sort of like a, a just a white bread yeasty roll. Okay. All right, that's solid pick. Definitely, there's definitely fighting over the rolls uh, at our dinner table as well, for sure. Okay, number four on my list. I'm going to continue my war on big potato. Uh, you might think mashed potatoes. Oh, this is the traditional comfort food. If you want to pick the highest tier of comfort food, comfort foods, macaroni and cheese going on the plate. Yeah, mac and cheese is better than mashed potatoes, no question. All right, I get it. We don't have to fight about this. That's good. It's it's nice because you have kids and kids like macaroni and cheese. So you just hop over to the tray that has the mac and cheese, put some on your plate. Um, man, I get the ultimate comfort food for me. Uh, it, uh, it's always good. Mac and cheese, number four on my list. Yeah, even bad mac and cheese is still pretty good. Absolutely. Uh, number three, I'll go with something a little less traditional, applesauce, man. Thanksgiving food gets heavy. It's very carby. So applesauce is something just a little bit refreshing, a little bit of that cinnamon spiciness to it. So I will put applesauce number three on the list. This might be one of your best contributions to the podcast in all of our episodes. <laughs> um, not, it was not even remotely in my brain, but I love applesauce. I love apple pie i love applesauce you're right you know sometimes you just you need something to help you know settle your stomach a little bit something not as heavy uh wow great pick by you great pick by you uh number three for me uh i will go back to the traditional here stuffing it's not something that i have very often throughout the year uh especially when you get the the green pepper and the onion in there and you give it a little bit of bite give it a little bit of kick um uh it it's it's hands down better than the turkey for me uh and it goes on my plate at number three yeah i think stuffing is one of those things you love or you or you could care less and i'm on the care less but i I have nothing against stuffing it just it does nothing for me um and stuffing i feel like guacamole stuffing is very much it depends on who makes it and you have a wide range of high quality to very dry like i'm just gonna drown this in gravy and hope it's good um but a good stuffing really good number two for you uh number two is gravy so i'm kind of with you i I could take or leave the mashed potatoes but you gotta have gravy i can go on just about anything you eat on thanksgiving so if there's no gravy your thanksgiving dinner has gone wrong uh, gravy is not on my list, but I have zero arguments with you whatsoever. 
I I'm gonna make it up to you, Mom, later in, later in this list. But the gravy that we have for our Thanksgiving, I would say, not my favorite gravy. It's a little too runny. I like it to have some consistency to it. Um, so not on my list, but I I definitely respect the pick. Um, number two for me. I was scrolling through Twitter the other day and I listed the favorite side uh, for Thanksgiving for each state and Ohio's uh, most popular side was green bean casserole. And it's number two on my list. Love me some green bean casserole. We're talking about the, the green bean casserole with like the, the soupy stuff and the crispy yep. onions on the top. Cre- the cream of mushroom with the crispy onions on top. Just the mixture just is, is so good. It was one of the few things. And I went back for uh, for seconds uh, on Thanksgiving. Uh, again, something that I don't have very often, but when it's out there, I'm going to get it every time. So we have a fair number of onion haters in our family. So when my mom makes it, she has the onions on the side so you can add as many as you want. So I do, you know, like a thin layer of green beans and then just stack the crispy <laughs> onions. So I do, I do love having that option. And that was something I didn't make when we did it at home either. And, and, I didn't miss that until you said that, but yeah, that that's a good pick. All right, drum roll, you're number one. I mean, number one, it's the best thing on Thanksgiving, and I can already tell from looking at your list that this is going to be, there's probably a fight coming, but pumpkin pie. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, pumpkin pie. Man, I, you get through the meal just to eat the pumpkin. I could eat a whole pumpkin pie. I could probably eat two pumpkin pies. I had pumpkin pie moonshine one year. Pumpkin pie is Thanksgiving okay so you're not wrong in the sense that it is more uh, typically thanksgiving uh every year my wife is charged with making a pumpkin pie and it is delicious uh it i i always help myself to a slice you know i get to feel good that i'm supporting my wife's cooking i get to feel good because i'm eating pumpkin pie uh it's really a win-win for everyone uh and it's it's great uh, and this is a very personal pick for my number one. But of all the things, you know, you grow up and there's just certain things that your parents cook that just, you know, they, they might not be great to somebody else, but for you, they are essential uh, in your life. And for me, number one, my mother's cheesecake. I could eat a whole cheesecake. I try to dibs as much of the cheesecake as I can. I've certainly snuck out of Thanksgiving's with just the whole extra cheesecake. And I, that was not for me. Um, the way my mom makes it, oh, just I could I could, I could, could eat a whole pie that, that night. It's delicious. I don't know if I've ever had your mom's cheese. I have had some of your mom's desserts, and I don't think she's ever made anything that I didn't think was great. So I could imagine that's a pretty good cheesecake. Okay, so can we compromise on this and say pie is superior to cake? Yeah, 100% agree. Okay, good. We are, we are in agreement. I don't I don't care. Apple apple I love apple pie. Didn't make the list. Um, apple pie, pumpkin pie, cheesecake. Let's go. Pie, you are the winner. Yeah, I don't know if I, I'm not sure. I consider cheesecake a pie. True. If you're trying to squeeze that in there, but I I mean yeah, I both of those are way better than like regular cake with frosting, whatever. Yes. Yeah, I I could leave cake all day, but cheesecake pie for sure better absolutely all right so that was not as contentious as i thought it might have been now we're, we're just traditional regular guys 
Yeah, we're just boring Midwest, you know, eating our green bean Meat potatoes. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right, Andy. So continuing on this track, uh, just being, you know, you have Thanksgiving. It's all about eating. Uh, and then it's also about football. Uh, the football on Thanksgiving was cut short. Uh, the Ravens and the Steelers were due to play late in the late game on Thanksgiving. And that game got pushed all the way back to, I believe, Wednesday at 3.30 uh, due to yeah, Baltimore. It was Wednesday afternoon. What a crazy time to play a football game. Um, but, yeah, so Thanksgiving, did you did you watch any of the NFL on, on Thanksgiving? Yeah, I watched a decent amount of both of the games. I watched the Lions, you know, kind of hold up the tradition of losing. And then the Cowboys also getting murdered. So, I mean, the games were pretty bad. I was really looking forward to that, what was supposed to be the Thursday night, you know, the Ravens-Steelers game. And I did watch part of it on Wednesday. It was a little bit, you know, Lamar Jackson was out. And I I don't know if you know this, but I absolutely love watching Lamar Jackson play. He might be my favorite player in the NFL to watch. So I was a little bummed that that, that didn't happen. But, yeah, I watched most of the games. Or I, I watched at least part of all the games on Thanksgiving. How about you? Um, we had we certainly had them on in the background again. We're kind of hopping from place to place. Um, since you since you opened that door, like what is going on with Lamar Jackson? Like I feel like when I watch him this year, it feels like he's kind of regressing as a passer a little bit. Like it seems like they are not confident in saying, "Hey, dude, you need to go throw the ball to get us the first down." Uh, what have you been seeing with him? I feel like it's, yeah, it's, it's more of a scheme thing. I don't even necessarily think that, that he's not playing well. I think they're just so committed to the run and it's not working out for him. I mean, he is so electric that, I mean, he could pull off anything, you know, running the ball, throwing the ball, whatever, especially running the ball. I just love when he has the ball in his hands, it feels like any, it's like watching Vince Young 2005. I mean, anything can happen, Mm, but scheme wise, I, I don't know what the Ravens are doing this year. They, I mean, they have great running backs, but at some point you have to throw the ball and that's yeah, just not happening. And I mean, besides Hollywood Brown, I don't think their receiving core is lighting the world on fire. So, um, it, you know, it warms my heart to see JK Dobbins uh, doing well in the NFL, uh, getting some, getting some run uh, with the Ravens, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, and, and you know, you compare him to Pat Mahomes who, uh, connected with Tyreek Hill and absolutely just annihilated my wife's chances to make the fantasy football playoffs uh, with that monster 55 point game that he had. Uh, you know, I came back, I'm coming back a little bit in the NFL. I'm watching a little bit more, but yeah, the Thanksgiving and football go together. They're inseparable. Absolutely. I just want to say though, that moving the Pittsburgh Baltimore game to Wednesday at 3.30. Like, this is the first year we've been, you know, uh, our extended circle of friends has, you know, been in a fantasy football league for a while. My wife is a commissioner in another league. The two leagues have kind of merged and whatnot. But this is the first year we're, like, halfway through the season. I just threw in the towel and just stopped even looking at my lineup or making any adjustments. Like, the game is moving all over the place schedule wise, like literally like any day of the week, there could be a football game with COVID. Um, and in particular, even before COVID, like Thursday night football is so fucking greedy. Like, I don't want to have to go check in and semi lineup before a Thursday night game. Like I just want to go Saturday or Sunday, pop it open, set my lineup, you know, maybe do some pickups later in the week. Um, 
I know most people are going to say more football is just the better option, but man, it's uh, creeping on uh, the rest of the week, and uh, it, it definitely caused me for the first time to just throw in the towel on fantasy football. My friend, you just walked into a huge, huge debate because right. I couldn't disagree with you more. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Let's, let's go. I wasn't even expecting this. Okay, so I guess to start, though, I'm not playing fantasy this year for the first time in a long time. So from the fantasy perspective, maybe I get it. You know, you don't want to have to go into such a lineup, whatever. But the random times that we have had sports on since March has been amazing. I was watching hockey at 12 o'clock in the afternoon on like a Tuesday. Playoff hockey, electric. There's football. I mean, you just have to check the schedule every single day because you have no idea when football is going to happen. I love it. It's like Christmas. There's something going on all the time. (laughs) I watched an Ohio State hockey game at five o'clock today. So random. Love it though. Love it. We need to have more early after. So I fall asleep all the time, especially at night if I'm watching sports. So this like five o'clock kickoffs, I mean, 3.30 was was pushing it a little bit because Champions League was on and, and Zach and I were watching a, a game, you know, going back and forth. So that was that was like European soccer time that it kind of <laughs> intruded on a little bit. But the like five o'clock starts, love them. Okay, so I have a couple counters to that. One, how much of this is based on the fact that you're working from home and have more accessibility to these type of things? than you would during a normal work year i have a phone so <laughs> okay I can easily stream it from an office <laughs> fair enough and then the other thing i would say like football is just the expe- exception for me like i'm used to having the fish around for you know what day of the week is the big nba game gonna be and you know used to just uh you know baseball just being you know almost every day and nba being multiple days of the week and all these other things football is the weekend and then you know maybe the monday night game comes on it comes on really late so i'm not catching a lot of that necessarily you know the thursday night game might be on the background but you know if i'm gonna play i'm playing to win and just having to just constantly check in see what's going on oh is this person in is this person out this is largely this is largely fantasy related i mean again if the football's on seven days a week and people like it go for it but I finally just could not keep up and just said, fuck it, and threw in the towel, so. Fair enough. Okay, so is there anything else uh, interesting going on in the NFL world before we transition to college? No, nothing's coming to mind. Okay, so since you and I have last talked, Ohio State has uh, played a nail-biter versus Indiana, but one. Uh, it came out that Coach Ryan Day has COVID, and the Illinois game was canceled due to an outbreak on our team. Uh, and now we are heading in this upcoming weekend into the Ohio State-Michigan State game. Uh, the code word is shorthanded, uh, is how the team has been described uh, for this upcoming game. But I have not seen a whole lot of specifics on uh, you know, who's, who's impacted, who's going to be able to play, who's not going to be able to play. So... Uh, let's let's take it from uh, chronologically. So, what were your impressions after watching Ohio State play Indiana, and what do you think about the team going forward based on that game? So selfishly, I, I thought it was very entertaining, which was nice because 
I mean, the Big Ten has looked kind of brutal. You know, like the Penn State game was exciting for 15 minutes, and it has just been so brutal that selfishly I was very excited to actually have Ohio State be in a game that wasn't just a complete blowout. Um, Holy shit, Michael Penis Jr. can throw the <laughs> ball. Oh, did I say it wrong? Did I say penis? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Michael Penix Jr. can throw the ball. Oh, yes, he can. Indiana is one of those teams, too, that I can't help but kind of root for them when we're not playing them. I don't know what it is about them. They're just one of those teams that I like. Yeah, I guess I kind of have a soft spot for. But yikes. I mean, the the protection for Justin Fields was brutal. But I don't know. See, the, the challenge is Michigan and Michigan State look so bad. Are we going to be able to – I mean, I, this season is such a disaster that I think it's going to be really hard to tell what's going to happen with anything anyway. But, man, I, do Michigan and Michigan State even offer enough of a test for us to be able to try and fix those issues? That's a good question. I think the answer is probably no. My takeaway after the Indiana game was, again, I agree with you. It was nice to, like, have the pins and needles feeling and actually have to, you know, kind of grip the, the couch cushions and – and you know, watch till the end of the game. Um, I I thought after the game, one of two things is going to happen: either Indiana is going to win the rest of their games, and they are a legit top ten team, and it's just magically their year uh, where they are a really good team, and we will be fine. Or Indiana loses another game or two, that we're gonna we are heading for a world class hurting at some point, whether it's. Unlikely the Big Ten championship game, but, you know, maybe at, at the college football playoff if we get there, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but, again, Indiana was throwing the ball over all over the place. Not very encouraging for um, our secondary. Obviously, we had the pick six, um, which, you know, is is great. I love, love those flashy plays, but, you know, maybe don't give up 500 passing yards uh, in the first place. Justin Fields, you know, regressed to the mean, shall we say. Um, as far as, you know, interceptions, uh, you know, just bad throws. And the the worst thing with him, which is a little, you know, shades of Terrell Pryor and a couple other quarterbacks in our, in our recent past, just not being able to throw the ball away. Like I know, you know, you're a heroic athlete and can make a lot of plays, but sometimes you just got to throw the ball out of bounds. Like, and come on, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean – Maybe you're trying to – maybe it's not necessarily a team decision. Maybe that's him looking to try and show a little bit of that, like Mahomes magic because, you know, he, he's kind of got a big summer coming up here or a big sprint, you know, looking looking ahead to the NFL. So, I mean, maybe maybe that's where you hold on to the ball a little bit and, and try and make one of those magic Heisman plays. But, yeah, you got to be smart with the football. So I'm interested to see how the year finishes out. Um, again, Michigan State, garbage. Mi- Michigan, garbage. Uh, you know, Penn State, we uh, we found out, garbage. Um, you know, it's really weird that, like, it's just a completely inverted Big Ten year besides Ohio State. You know, Indiana and Northwestern are two of the best teams in the league. Uh, not, you know, not ironically, just, you know, flat out they just look pretty good, even though Northwestern ends up losing uh, this past weekend. So, 
Uh, I'm very curious to see how the rest of the year is going to play out. I'm going to pose a question to you, and this may turn into a debate. I was talking with, uh, with April about this the other night. So in order to qualify for the Big Ten Championship, as the rules are currently written, um, and theoretically to get to the college football playoff, uh, Ohio State needs to play six games, and they need to finish. They need to play Michigan State, and they need to play Michigan. Uh, knock on wood, I haven't heard anything uh, yet this week, really. It seems like the Michigan State game is on track. Uh, Michigan did shut down activities uh, earlier this week uh, due to a potential COVID outbreak. So, Andy, I posed a question to you. Uh, in the in the show title, it's going to be called a punk move, but let's be honest, I'm going to call it a bitch move. Would it be a bitch move or a cunning move for Michigan to throw in the towel and say they can't play the game versus us and cock block us? block us out of getting into the Big Ten Championship game in the college football playoff. So I'm going to start with a little bit of a qualification here. I don't think there's any chance that Michigan chooses not to play if they're healthy. There's just no way. These guys are college athletes. There's only so many games you're going to get on the field for. Nobody's going to want to sit out. These guys are competitive. They're athletes. They want to get on the field and have a shot. So I don't think there's a chance in the world that Michigan actually chooses not to play. If they're healthy, if they're able to safely take the field, 100% think they're going to do it. Now, if they did come to that decision, that's genius. And it's an excellent troll job. And I would have no problem with it. Okay, so you and I are in agreement. Um, and again, I, I, I certainly think that if they were, you know, fully and legitimately healthy, you know, again, uh, their athletic director came out and said he was insulted uh, by the even the hint of the thought of that and that they would definitely play. But I'm talking about like, look, if they're, if they're dealing with something, uh, you know, COVID outbreak on the team and like you have the option to either kind of, expedite your testing and you know report your results at the best time for you to meet the positivity thresholds to be able to play and all that or you you have the option to slow roll and say oh you know we're you know these people could have potentially been exposed and you kind of do everything really slow and you know nothing shady but just you know say oh i guess you know we're it's just not safe enough to play like i agree cunning move like it it depends on Michigan fans and people in the organization to have the realization to really accept the fact that they are not in our tier, not even close, that they don't really have a shot on the field and that this is the thing that they can most do to stick it to us this year. And that's probably, you know, a level of acceptance that no Michigan fan should really have, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, my wife said it would be a huge bitch move. I think it would be, you know, it, it would be a stroke of genius if Michigan actually did that. Yeah, from a fan side, I think that's really funny. But if, if I'm a player in that program and I think that, you know, the administration is like, ah, we're going to get shit kicked like we normally do. Let's cancel this game. I'm getting in that transfer portal, though. I want to be – that's not the kind of program I want to play for. And I can't imagine that any of these guys – any of those players on the team would actually support that. So I agree with you on the players, Andy, but this brings us to our next point. Jim Harbaugh has the rest of this year and 
the next year on his contract. I'm going to give you some Jim Harbaugh stats. 0-5 against Ohio State. Three and that one. Three and three against Michigan State, which honestly was a little better than I thought. Uh, one and four in bowl games and one and eight against top ten teams. So, Andy, do you think he's going to be back next year? Do you think he will be there in two years? Who could Michigan even try to get to replace him that would be better? What are your thoughts on the Jim Harbaugh era for Michigan? I mean, my thoughts on the Jim Harbaugh era for Michigan is I hope it lasts forever. (laughs) I mean, I love it. Uh, When when I see people call for his head, I say, no, no, no. Give him another chance. Let's keep him around. Maybe next year will be the, I mean, let's, let's keep him there for 20 years if we can. I love it. I don't know, man. It's so hard to tell. This year has been so crazy. And I almost feel like this year has been so upside down that it's everything I think comes with a grain of salt. I don't think it's necessarily the big 10 like you said where the big 10 is just upside down yeah it is but i mean is that really the quality of the players on the field or or is it the fact that everybody's doing this within a context where there's you know a million moving parts so i think it's possible that just the wildness of this year saves him i mean michigan state is brutal though so to go out and lose to michigan state i think i think if he gets fired i think that's probably the nail in the coffin. i mean that that was a really winnable game this year and they just looked ter- i mean or i guess last week losing to unfeated penn state team is also pretty brutal my gut is that he comes back for one that they give him one more year they kind of try and sell this to the fans as yeah this year was wild and give him one more year and then just make a nice clean break at the end of the contract. I think you make a great point with who's going to be out there. I don't know what teams are going to be doing, you know, with, with it being like a COVID off season coming up, if teams are going to be cutting coaches or if everybody's going to kind of hang on. So I think he gets one more year in Ann Arbor. How about you? A hundred percent. I wish the Jim Harbaugh era would continue on in perpetuity. Nothing is better than that dumb look on his face when he just is flabbergasted that, you know, they didn't succeed and that, they, you know, they did something stupid. They look awful. Um, it's great. I just don't know who they're going to get that's better. I mean, the big surprise for me is just that the quarterback play has just not been impressive. Uh, you know, he, he that was his old position. You know, obviously it helps when you have Andrew Luck uh, over at Stanford. Uh, but their Michigan quarterback play has been horrible. Uh, and, you know, they start out uh, in his first couple of years and they, you know, they don't beat Ohio state, but they go nine and three, they win the games are supposed to, you know, maybe 50, 50 against the slightly good teams. Uh, they go to a bowl game, but like this year, and again, I know, you know, everything's COVID adjusted, but like you need to triple overtime versus Rutgers, bro. Like, what in the world is going on? Like, you know, Owen Fine Penn State team just, you know, that loses people to COVID that aren't even playing uh, the whole year. They look awful. Uh, you, you give them their first win of the season. Um, you know, Michigan State, again, you can't call them little brother if you, you, you draw your six games with them. And again, like, they're clearly not in our tier from a football perspective. Uh, but you know, there's enough delusional Michigan fans that think that they should beat they should beat us every now and then at least. Um, 
I think that there's there's no reason for them to you know to pay a buyout to get rid of him early. Um, I actually think it's more likely that it goes the other way, that there's some NFL franchise that says, you know, hey, you took a team to a Super Bowl. Uh, the college thing is clearly not working out. Maybe he's just an NFL type of coach, uh, you know. But if there's a, a team that comes calling uh, from the NFL, I could see him just jumping shit because the rain's on the wall, dude. Like you're not getting extended. You know, I don't have a good answer either as to who can come in uh, and bring that program back to glory. Uh, I think it would be hilarious and so mercenary and really so typical of him if, like, Urban Meyer was just like, I'm going to go to Michigan and try and, uh, and try and resurrect them. I 100% don't think he would do that. Um, but... I, I don't know how they get better, but at this point, like you just, you have to grab anybody. Like, I don't know what, what I, it's, it's so bad right now. I don't think there's any other option. Yeah. Texas is making a big play for urban Meyer. I, I saw a bunch of noise on that. Um, what about like a Matt Campbell that coached at Toledo and he's at Iowa state now. Do you think he'd even leave Iowa state to go to, is Michigan even that desirable of a job? I think it's still better than Iowa State, especially if you have some roots in this type of area. But, you know, it's – I mean, the Big 12 is not looking particularly great right now, too. That that could be a, you know, a conference right for the bottom to right to rise to the top and whatnot. So, um, I don't know what they're going to do. I wish they would keep him forever because it doesn't seem like he's – you know, we're past the point where he's – you know, using other coaches, people. These are all his guys, and they suck. Uh, so we'll see, I guess. Um, but I'm very curious to see uh, whether Harbaugh's there. I'm going to say, yes, he will be there next year. I think there's no chance that he's there the year after. Hey, so you said the NFL might come poach him, right? <laughs> what if he What if he just moved across M50 to, to Detroit? Yeah, I mean, Detroit, I mean, Chicago, you know, if they get rid of their coach or their quarterback play has been awful. Like, I mean, there's going to be lots of, you know, the NFL is, you know, a little bit more COVID proof than college football is. So there's going to be openings for sure. And uh, and I think that, that he could very well jump ship. Um, and, you know, they'll say that it's mutual and all that. And, you know, there's no hard feelings or whatever, but. So long and farewell, uh, Jim Harbaugh. I, I think your days are numbered. Man, if he went to Detroit, I think <laughs> I think Gretchen Whitmer would have competition for the most hated person in that state. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's 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 definitely true. Definitely true. <sighs> okay, Andy. So kind of uh, jumping over into you know news, COVID, and all that jazz. Um, I have not really been following the, you know, Trump is like one in 44 in court cases right now, trying to somehow pull off a Hail Mary to the retain the presidency. Uh, Biden's moving along. He's nominating people. Biden's going to be the next president. The um, electoral college people meet, uh, I think in like 10 days or so, somewhere in there week, 10 days, they'll certify the, the results of the election that'll be that so it's been it's been nice a little bit i've taken a little bit of a lull to just kind of tune out of the politics a tiny bit while trump just goes on his twitter tirades about how the election was rigged and you know he's really the president 
Yeah, man, they've been disappointing. I was kind of expecting them to be wilder, and it's really just been a bunch of rigged, rigged. I mean, it's just the same stuff over and over. I mean, it. He's he's so unentertaining. I, I want to unfollow. I mean, I'm terrified that he's you know gonna launch nuclear war on North Korea or something. So I feel like I still need to follow just to make sure that like the world isn't completely topsy turvy. But yeah, I, I was expecting a little bit crazier. It's it's just it's sad. It definitely has like old man yells at cloud type feel like, you know, just get off my lawn. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, there's still plenty of time for him to fuck shit up. You know, we, you know, uh, an Iranian, you know, uh, physicist or one, whatever scientist got uh, assassinated uh, over the last week. So, you know, there's always the, you know, last minute chance to go to war with Iran. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of just horrible things from a regulatory perspective he can do uh the the pardon word has been floating around quite a bit over the last couple of weeks you know i i is there a more fitting end to the trump presidency than him getting on twitter one last time and be like i pardon me for anything that i ever could have done <laughs> <laughs> and you, you can't come after me you so long and farewell and, and you know he just he loses the the potus twitter account and uh you know and and thinks that he can never be you know indicted ever again like that would be so fitting all caps i declare myself innocent spells innocent wrong (laughs) yeah it's just stay tuned uh you know as somebody who was president i can never be you know i can never be convicted of a crime just like completely make some shit up or whatever Um, so it's been nice to uh, disconnect from the Donald a little bit. Um, I'm very anxious to uh, stop following him once he's no longer the president on Twitter. But uh, yeah, uh, we'll see. How, we'll see uh, how uh, you know as we get closer and closer to inauguration day. Hopefully that'll go off without a hitch. Uh, but in the meantime, COVID continues to you know decimate the country. And uh, our governor has kind of been in Trump's sites and kind of in his party sites. Uh, you want to bring us kind of up to speed on the wines curfew and 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 how Ohio's doing right now? Yeah. Um, so that was what maybe two weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we had the uh, the the. It was a Wednesday evening chat where DeWine basically said, if you guys don't get your shit together, bad things are going to happen. And then he unrolled his brilliant plan, which was we got to stay home from, what is it, 10 to 5, 10 p.m. to 5 a.m., something like that. Yeah. I, I can't I can't imagine how that's going to make the slightest bit of difference. I was extremely disappointed. I think it would have been better to – just go the route of denying that anything was happening at all, rather than to pretend like a curfew was going to make a difference. And I think the proof has absolutely been in the numbers. So if if you want me to bring us up to speed on where we are in Ohio, it is a disaster. We're now averaging close to 9,000 new cases a day. We we went over the 10,000 mark again today. Deaths have shot up from the high teens for our weekly average. So I think we're approaching 40 a day at this point i mean locally the the local health department is looking into getting a refrigerated truck because the morgues are going to be full so ohio you guys are not doing a good job it 
it's it's the worst that it's ever been and and i'm i feel like people are, are going around like oh there's a vaccine the end is in sight and and i think man i'll, I'll be i'm really scared to see what the numbers are going to look like here in a week or two as the thanksgiving surge hits yeah i mean I saw Biden come out and say, and I like literally had to do double take uh, that they think that there's going to projected that basically we're going to lose another 250,000 people between mm-hmm. now and like, I don't know, it was either January or February or something like that. And I was just like, whole oh, like that's, you know, that's what we've lost since, you know, the spring, you know, essentially from now till spring and, and, you know, we've been beating the drum of winter is coming and, and you know that you know yes we have great vaccine news and we'll touch on that in a little bit um but you know that we still have a long cold inside winter that we have to deal with so uh you know dewine put this curfew in place apparently he thinks that you know the virus is just nocturnal and if everyone's home before 10 o'clock that everybody will be fine uh trump called out dewine on twitter basically saying like is he going to be the next governor um and it's like shut up dude like you don't matter anymore just go away but uh i think we're now up to four there was a group of four just other clowns in the ohio state congress brought i believe 12 articles of impeachment uh uh, against the wine saying that he had abused his power during that pandemic and basically the you know the gist of it was you know he wants us to be safe and and we don't like that um (laughs) <laughs> so the the state the state is just the dumpster fire right now. Like I mean, it's not just us; it's it's pretty much everywhere. But yeah, and I know we got good vaccine news, but we still have a long way to go. Did you see Dewine's response to those guys? I did not. No. Yeah, he had his. Uh, well, I mean, it wasn't him personally; it was his press secretary came out and somebody asked the question about it and. I don't have the exact quote pulled out, but it was something along the lines of, if I thought that this was a serious enough issue, <laughs> I would have a comment on it. But this is such a joke. I'm not going to say a word. Well done. Uh, well done, Mike DeWine's team. Uh, I, I saw it, it, there was a great article from the the Columbus Dispatch that I was reading earlier, too, where, you know, in their articles of impeachment, they're citing suicide rates and they're su- citing overdose deaths and you know all these terrible things that are happening which which i mean it's true the, these are things that are going to get worse from the pandemic so they looked into the record of those four legislators and all of the things that you would have assumed they'd be pushing if they're so worried about suicide and overdose deaths and they have done absolutely nothing up until this point so you know obviously it, it's they're just looking for a little bit of justification in what they're doing but but it was a great article from the dispatch of you guys are clowns you're only pretending like you care about this because it suits your agenda yeah and i mean really like we got lucky in the sense that you know we have a republican governor but we have a republican governor who's actually like taking the science seriously and I mean, you know, I would say he's been, uh, you know, a little too pro-business, a little, you know, he could be much tougher uh, and it would be more helpful to the overall state's handling of the pandemic. But he at least like believes it's a serious issue and wants to do something about it. There are plenty of Republican governors who are basically just like, YOLO, like who cares? Let's just do what we've been doing um, and pretend that COVID's not a big deal. So uh, I think the you know the impeachment attempt is is laughable. 
uh, DeWine had the perfect response to it. Uh, but the fact that we still have, uh, you know, people that feel that way, you know, you know, eight, nine months in, a quarter of a million people later, uh, just is, is just awful. I mean, that's pe- people that are treating the pandemic like that. I mean, statistically, it is far worse than it's ever been in Ohio. And, and the fact that there's people that are still throwing a fit about having to wear a mask and do basic common sense things are it, the reason that we are going to be stuck like this until the vaccine hits widespread distribution. Yeah, I'm going to sink a little bit more into the negative and then I'm going to and then let's we'll go into the vaccine news and I have lots uh, lots of thoughts on that um, as I have over the course of the show. Uh, but for, you know, for all those people out there who think, oh, it's not that serious of a deal. I was uh, looking at the stats the other day. COVID has now moved in the third. Um, so, you know, number one cause of death for the country, heart disease. Number two cause of death, cancer. You know, you get the two big ones. But COVID, you know, after, you know, having a three-month period where it was just chilling at the starting line has passed diabetes, has passed uh, Alzheimer's, has passed all of these other things that you think, you know, oh, well, why, you know, COVID's just the new kid on the block and we're all worked up about it. Um, no, I mean, it, we're up to, you know, the third leading cause of death in the country. You know, this novel virus that we could have knocked down the cases uh, by 50% if we had, you know, a national mass mandate that was actually, you know, uh, you know, people took seriously. Biden's calling for, uh, you know, his first 100 days of his presidency, 100 days of masking, uh, trying to give the country a tangible goal. You know, we're not going to do this in perpetuity. You know, let's have a deadline where, you know, we really try hard and do well with it. But I mean, again, like what else, what else do you need to like realize that this is something serious? Um, and so, you know, I was scrolling through Facebook as I want to do. I came across something that someone had shared in my feed. And it really just like made me angry, flummoxed me. Like I didn't understand the point it was trying to make. I just got mad at the point that I think it was trying to make. Um, And so this meme, just all it said was just a reminder, the flu has a vaccine and still kills 45 to 65,000 people a year, educating the panicked. So Andy, just give me your gut impression after I read that before I go off, you know, go off a cliff ranting about this. So I know that we have the podcast marked explicit, but I don't want to necessarily say (laughs) exactly what I think, but (laughs) fuck that. Um, Yeah. I I don't know what the point of that. I mean, okay. That's an interesting stat, I guess, assuming that it's true, which I would, I mean, I think my my gut instinct is to see if that's even true. It's very possible that it is. Isn't that even more of a reason why we should be taking these these precautions? If you want to fire back with this stat, I saw that in the state, I think we've had like less than 100 hospitalizations for influenza this year. And, and normally at this point of flu season, we'd be over 1,000. So, hey, it looks like the masks don't just work for COVID. They work for the flu, too. So that's even more reason why we should put on the goddamn masks. Yep, and wash our hands and social distance, you know, like, so, okay, so just to, like, get started with this, let's break this down, like, the flu has a vaccine, okay, that's a true thing, that is a true statement, 
still kills 45 to 65,000 people a year. I, I did look it up for you. That is, you know, ballpark and average flu, uh, average flu season. Uh, so no misinformation so far. But the main point that I have about this, about this meme that I saw is just, if you just, why do people feel the need to, you know, have an opinion on everything? Like, I just wish that more people would just realize it's such a good idea to just occasionally just shut your mouth and just, you, if you don't have anything interesting to cre- contribute, you don't have anything valuable, just just don't say anything. Just shut up. And, like, the analogy <laughs> I would make is this. Okay, like, if I'm, you know, and this happens to me a ton, right? Like, I'm, you know, I'm hanging out with the guys, all of you, and, you know, and a topic comes up, and it's, like, cars or, like, knowing how to use basic tools. And it's, like, I don't, I don't know anything about this subject. I don't have anything to contribute. I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, you know, well, really, like, I think, you know, you need to have a, a 10 pound hammer instead of a 15 pound hammer. Like, I, I don't, I don't know anything about the subject, and and therefore I don't have anything valuable to contribute, and I'm not going to act like I do. So when you post dumb fucking shit like this that says the flu has a vaccine and still kills 45 to 65 thousand people a year, yes, that is true. But the flu vaccine has a an effectiveness rate of 40 to 60%. The COVID vaccines that we have data on so far, the, the first two have been 95 and 94% respectively. So you're yes, they are both vaccines, but that hardly makes them an apples to apples comparison. And then you have this educating the panicked. Like, is this is this like you're like awesome? Like, oh man, I showed you guys. Like, look at my science brain. Like, no, it just makes you look like a. Uh, I I've used I've used my allotment of f bombs for this episode, but you just look silly. You look like an idiot. You have egg all over your face. Like, if you don't know what you're talking about, just stop talking. And and I do that, and you've done that before. There's been plenty of politics things where I brought up and. And you said, you know what? I don't really know anything about that. And I don't have anything to say about it because what would I have to say if I don't know anything about it? So, man, this just set me over. This just set me over the edge. It's just, just don't post dumb shit on Facebook, people. Please, please. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> most people are only asking for uh, some some reasonable things they don't take. I mean... How much does a mask cost? 50 cents, a dollar? How much effort does it take to put it on? Practically none. How uncomfortable is it? Marginally. I mean, to stand a little bit further back in line at the grocery store. It's not like people are asking you you to move mountains for most of the basic precautions. Just just don't be an idiot. I I mean, I don't don't want to go down a real dark road here, but... I think I've learned some things about people during this pandemic that I think the the toothpaste is out of the tube a little bit. And I think it's people that post things like that, where it's like, man, I think you might've showed some true colors that I didn't want to see. Yeah. I mean, this is what the last four years have been like, I feel like, and again, like a lot of this is just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and take a step back and make it a little less personal. Like, again, a lot of these things come from people that I like very much and are, you know, important people in my life. And like, you know, you have all kinds of valuable, important advice to give on a whole host of subjects. 
but but if you don't know if you don't know anything about you know immunology virology epidemiology science math statistics like just just stop just please stop don't embarrass yourself it's probably a good time for a PSA for the flu shot too. go out and get your flu shots. I waited until last week to get mine and I felt terribly guilty that I waited that long. Get your flu shots, even if they're 40% effective. That's a lot better than the 0% effective that not getting a vaccine is. And again, it costs probably nothing if you have health insurance and it takes practically no time. And again, the people who are shitting on the flu vaccine, like, yes, it's not necessarily particularly great at preventing you from getting the flu entirely but it's still been shown that even if you get the flu vaccine you might still get the flu but you will have a more mild case uh more often than not uh than if you had not gotten the vaccine at all so again just just be uh we're gonna or we're gonna you know now we're gonna shift to the positive side here and I, we're gonna continue on with vaccine talk um and there's a there's a question i have at the end that i think is uh, mildly interesting um, as far as like how are we going to get people to get vaccinated but since we last talked well, last time we talked I went in great detail about the Pfizer vaccine which is the only vaccine that had that we had data for at that point 95 uh, more than 90 percent effective when it came out uh, when we talked uh, which is amazing uh, again we established it's a two-dose uh, vaccine since we last talked uh, I took a peek at the materials that they released in the United Kingdom because the UK has approved the use of this vaccine already. Uh, we are a, a week or so out between uh, before the FDA votes on the Pfizer vaccine. And then uh, they will vote on the second vaccine that we'll talk about in a bit uh, shortly after, uh, thereafter. Uh, but it looks like you're going to have your first dose. And then three weeks later, you will have your second dose. And then in about a week or so, again, listen to what your doctor says, but I believe it's somewhere in the week or so range after that, you will be considered, you know, fully vaccinated, uh, as immune as you're going to be. And so I took a look through it again, you know, you're, you know, prevents people from having, getting COVID from having serious COVID. Uh, you might feel side effects from the vaccine. Again, you might get a headache, you might get, you know, fatigue, some chills or whatnot. That's just your body's immune response saying, Hey, something foreign to my body doing its thing. Uh, it's completely expected. It's completely normal. Um, but uh, the big hitch for the Pfizer vaccine was that it needs to be stored in a deep freezer, which is going to potentially produce some distribution issues because not a lot of the places have a minus 70, minus 80 degree deep freezer. Shortly after we record, uh, Moderna comes out and they have their vaccine and their vaccine is 94% effective. Uh, and the it's the same technology as the Pfizer vaccine. But the big hitch with that, uh, with the Moderna one, uh, in a good way, is it can be stored at a normal freezer, normal minus 20 degree freezer, uh, which helps a lot uh, with stability issues. Um, so great, we have two vaccines. Pfizer comes out and says their vaccine is actually 95% effective. Um, so we're, we're in the money right now. AstraZeneca comes out a little bit later. Uh, they have more mixed uh, results that we may or may not talk about. Uh, but the important thing for the AstraZeneca vaccine is it can be stored in a regular old fridge. So it will probably be particularly important for getting the whole world vaccinated. Uh, it's much easier to store and distribute uh, to all parts of the world. 
But Andy, we are that, that was a lot for me. We are cooking uh, as far as uh, COVID vaccines, and, and it's looking really good. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have a lot more knowledge on the, the actual science side of it than than I do. But again, this is one of these times where I'm not going to pretend like I have any idea what I'm talking about. All I know is basically I'm going to get my information from you because you're the smartest guy I know when it comes to this. So if you say it's good news, it's good news. Uh, me socially, man, it's nice that there's at least a light at the end of the tunnel. I think, I mean, yeah, we, we have a dark winter ahead of us, but it's nice that that these things are you know, we're getting good news. We're getting, I mean, great news with as far as the numbers on how effective they are. And I, I would hope it makes things like staying home, you know, missing out on holidays, those sort of things with the idea that maybe by summer we could be back to some sort of normality. I mean, hopefully that, that will make things more palatable and people will be able to say, all right, I can buckle down for another maybe six months before we really start seeing some some good vaccine numbers yeah for sure like that's one of the biggest failings i think from this year um you know again you might people might say maybe somewhat accurately you know josh you you're you're, you know you're so science focused like you know you you act like these people can do no wrong and i really feel like not putting kind of an accurate timeline uh from a public messaging perspective was a big screw up by you know the CDC and that in the FDA and all of the uh, the, the COVID uh, task force and that includes people like Fauci and Redfield and uh you know all these all these people that I have lauded uh, on the show because you know first it was 15 days flat in the curve and then we you know we all like locked down and then you know after that it was like oh is COVID gone like no it's not gone and you know and now we're we're sitting in the worst part of the pandemic so um but to be able to say now, like, look, there is a definite light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I, you know, I read that the uh, the military person in charge of distributing the vaccine says that by June, anybody in the United States that wants a vaccine will be able to have had been vaccinated already by that point. And so we're getting there. Uh, I believe that Ohio has their first doses um, of the Pfizer vaccine. There will be arriving in the next week or so. Um, I think by the 15th, uh, they will start being deployed to, you know, healthcare workers, frontline people. Um, and we're just going to try and get as many people vaccinated um, as we can. The two dose, um, you know, necessity might make the logistics a little tricky. Like, I don't know if you just set aside two doses per person and don't, you know, try to roll the dice with making sure your next shipment of the vaccine comes in. But it's looking good news. Um all three uh, of the most recent former presidents uh, have said that they are going to go on TV and get vaccinated publicly to try to instill some faith in people that this vaccine is in fact safe, that that people should take it. Uh, Andy, do you want to guess? I read an article earlier today. It was a survey from Fox News and it was kind of targeted to that demographic. Which person in the country do you think that the most people want to see get vaccinated um i would say donald j trump so that was my thought as well but surprisingly even in republican circles the person that people want to see get vaccinated most is dr fauci so okay that that would have been my second guess yeah and and biden has come out and said basically like if 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 tony says it's safe then that's good enough for me 
and I'll be right in line to get it and he'll get it publicly. And I'm sure they'll make a whole big show. Uh, you know, I'm sure there will be, uh, you know, celebrity, you know, advertisements and, you know, a marketing campaign, uh, presidents and celebrities and athletes and anyone under the sun uh, to try and get people to buy in that this vaccine is in fact safe. I believe that same Fox Pulse, basically, it was 12% of respondents said, uh, no, I wouldn't get it. And it's, the reason why is because I just don't trust vaccines in general. Um, so 12% is something that we can deal with. You know, the country's looking to get it at about 70% or so to really start getting a grip um, on the pandemic and starting to drive case totals down. But what do you think? I mean, is there, if you had to pick a person to, uh, to say, oh, hey, I want this person to get vaccinated and then I'll get vaccinated, like, what do you think and how do you think people are going to receive this news? As far as seeing all the celebrities get vaccinated? Yeah, like who's who do you think is going to like cause the most people to get vaccinated? Ooh. LeBron, maybe, you know, like I'm trying to think. Uh, like Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, I, I, ooh, would Tom Brady? I mean, if there's any like celebrity athlete that you have to think might be weird about vax, just yeah, true. I could see Tom Brady being a guy that doesn't do it. Yeah, Tiger Woods. See, I think to answer this question of who's going to have the biggest impact, you have to think about. I mean, there's a large segment of the population, you know, the me's and use of the world that it doesn't matter. We're getting that right. I think you have to think about who is going to appeal to the people that are going to be on the fence. Yeah. I don't know, because I think there's going to be a whole industry of of anti-vax like sentiment where it's just like, oh, no, like this was rushed and, you know, vaccines are bad and and, and all that or whatever. Like, I, I, I don't I wonder if we're losing the middle, like everything else in this country. I wonder if we're losing the middle ground and it's either going to be like, yep, science is good. Uh, let's get vaccinated or like, hell no, no way in the world am I getting this. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, I mean, there's absolutely going to be people that are going to put out wild 10-year-old videos of, of things and say that vaccines are tied to every disease under the sun. I mean, it, yeah, it's going to get wild. And I mean, that might be the end of my Facebook because I've been toying with that for a while. And <laughs> and I, th- I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if the vaccine is just the, I, I can't do this anymore. What about, I don't know, what about one of the fox clowns, like a, like a Rush Limbaugh? Yeah, but don't you like don't you lose your Fox News like credentials if you do that? Like, yeah, like if Sean Hannity was just like, "Yep, I'm getting the vaccine," you know, like we're gonna do it on my show. Like, I bet you that would get a shit ton of people to get vaccinated. Um, I just don't know if they're you know that's like the tipping point. I feel like like if if that happens, then you know that we're all in this, and it's it is going to be a more mainstream thing. Uh, the question I wanted to post to you is there's been some talk about tying some kind of stimulus to getting the vaccine. So what do you think about this just from like a philosophical perspective to pay people to get vaccinated? So I have seen this talk and I'm going to start by saying, I don't think there's a chance in hell it actually happens, but I, I love it. Absolutely love it. I mean, I think it's the most effective way I mean, I'm trying not to get massively cynical here because it's, it's, it's been a week and it's been a week where it's easy to be cynical. 
this country doesn't give a shit about anything but money. And if you haven't seen that in the last year, you haven't been paying attention. This country cares about money, money, and money for its top three things. So if you tie money to the vaccine, that would absolutely be the most effective way to get people to take it. So I love it. Morally, do I think it's right? Eh, I don't know. But I love it as somebody who wants to see as many people vaccinated as possible. Yeah, I think I agree with all that. Like, I do kind of like feel like we start walking up to the edge of the mountain and looking over when we start talking about paying people to get vaccines. I, I think I would be for it. Um, and, the, you know, the tricky thing is going to be like, again, we don't yet have uh you know data for children yet like i believe the pfizer vaccine goes down to kids uh of age 16 or older uh so we're going to start adding uh you know younger and younger people uh to vaccine trials and whatnot and see how safe it is um but we don't have that data right now so uh you know we, hopefully we won't have that situation you know where People are like, oh, yeah, I have, you know, five kids. Let's get them all vaccinated and get all, you know, a stimulus check for for all of them. We know we don't have that data yet, but I'm intrigued. Um, It looks like the next round of uh, coronavirus aid from Congress is likely not going to include a second uh, round of uh, stimulus checks. Um, So, you know, there's a potential that maybe that could be brought back. Uh, later on, especially depending on what happens in the Georgia Senate runoff, which will happen in the beginning of January, there's still a chance that Democrats could uh, gain control of the Senate as well as the House. And then, you know, lots of things are possible. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, but I'm very curious. I mean, you will definitely have the the government is trying to control you people that that tiny fringe, you know, that that will send them into overdrive. But I really feel like you can knock out a lot of of people who were resistant to getting vaccinated uh, if you tie some stimulus to it. Yeah. And honestly, I don't even think you'd take that much. I think you'd throw people a hundred bucks and you'd probably get a majority of the people. I don't even think it'd take a lot. Interesting. Yeah. People, pe- people love cash. That's true. And people don't like having to think for themselves. So throw them some cash. I mean, yeah. I'm so I mean again you know it's going to be a dark winter but there's there's light at the end of the tunnel we're just going to make it through um and I will yes I will you know I too am going to be looking you know again we the FDA has not met yet to approve the vaccine uh the Pfizer vaccine or the Moderna uh vaccine um you know we'll wait and see what that brings but I imagine that at some point Fauci and and Burks and Redfield are going to come out and they're going to say yes, we endorse this vaccine. It is safe. We will get it. Uh, you know, they will be televised getting it. Uh, presidents and athletes and celebrities will be. And then that's going to start the chain reaction where at least some of the soft, you know, skeptics are going to say, okay, let's, let's do this and let's get on the way to being back to normal. So on a positive note, there's got to be some celebrities out there that are terrified in needles, right? So, I mean, there's got to be if people are filming themselves getting the vaccine, there's got to be some funny ones out there, right? There's going to be people like freaking out over a little sick with a needle. I mean, even in hard knocks, like there were people who just like were reluctant to get tested and have a, you know, have a swab stuck up their nose. So of course, I mean, there's good, there's got to be some bloopers you know, of, of people just freaking out about it. 
Yeah, so, you know, Aaron Donald or somebody, somebody that's just absolutely you know, 300 pounds and shredded, terrified of a needle. I'm, I'll be there for that. Yeah, remember that, uh, I think it was a Super Bowl commercial where Jason Momoa was like walked into his house and just like took off all of his muscles and was just <laughs> <laughs> like something like that, like that, that I think would definitely be effective. All right. That'd be great. Um, the last thing that I kind of want to touch on with you, uh, it's, it's in a topic that we have not covered a ton on this show, just general pop culture note. So uh, big news uh, was announced uh, just yesterday, I believe, um, that uh, Warner Brothers Studios, who has a bunch of big movies on the slate for 2021, is going to put all of those movies on HBO Max. You know, on the day that it releases in the theater, it will come out on HBO Max. It will stay on HBO Max for a month, and then it will go away just like it normally would and, and not be brought back until it normally would. Uh, but in the in general for that for um for warner brothers they're going to let movies that would be theater exclusives uh be streamed from you know people's homes so you know i'll let you talk as much or little as you want about this again this is not necessarily you know i would consider myself much more of a movie person than you but the the main sentiment i want to get out of you is looking forward to the future like do you, are you excited by the potential to just you know netflix and chill and stay home and and not ever have to go out to the theater like what do you think about this so short answer yes the theater experience to, i mean you know i'm a homebody the theater experience i mean they typically kind of smell like feet and popcorn so <laughs> I, there's a bunch of people around making noise i mean the bathroom is a hell of a lot longer walk from the theater seats than it is for my couch i'm a guy that falls asleep so for me it's a bit of a risk to go unless i'm like fully prime it's probably going to be the afternoon and i probably need a cup of coffee on the way in there's a good chance i'm falling asleep even during a good movie so the idea that it's not like a you know one and done 10 bucks and i fell asleep you know i, I paid 10 bucks to take a nap in an air-conditioned place you know if i fall asleep on friday night watching the movie i can saturday night try it again i mean personally i love it i know there's a lot of people that are going to be upset about the lack of the movie theater experience but it man if there's one thing we've learned from this pandemic it's that our world can be so much more efficient and i think this is one of the ways it could be so much more efficient if i just watch that movie at home so i'm just going to give you a very short response um this is blasphemy uh to kind of just you know give you a picture of what Andy is like at the movies. Here are the th- two or three experiences I remember from college <laughs> with Andy in, the, good. Andy in the movie theaters. One, a big group of us went to go see Hot Fuzz, which I thought was hysterical. I enjoyed it very much. And the look on your face when we walked out was just like, why did you waste my time with this? This was shit. You know, you're not a fan. And so, you know, that was a bummer. Second experience that I remember was uh, there was a very long line to see one of the Spider-Man movies, and you, uh, you, and uh, a person of interest in your romantic life just decided that you were going to dip out and not wait in line and not go see the movie. So I don't know how that went for you, but you know, you threw away your chance to go see Spider-Man, which shame on you. 
And then I don't even know. Did you even go see Casino Royale when a bunch of us went on opening weekend at midnight? Like that was a great movie experience. Uh, I've definitely seen Casino Royale and enjoyed it. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't specifically remember if I went at midnight on opening weekend, but I have seen that movie and enjoyed it. And I think I saw it in the theater. So do you have anything to defend yourself? Like I, I feel like you're guilty as charged. Yeah, I don't see the crimes I've committed. So yeah, 100%. That, that's exactly how I went. I don't regret not watching Spider-Man. I'm sure I haven't circled back and watched it. And I don't I don't feel like that's a big hole in my life. Um, I mean, yeah, that's... You captured the... the Absolutely captured the going to a movie with me experience. It, you didn't have one where I just fell asleep. And at the end of the movie, everybody was talking about how great it was. And I was like, oh yeah, dude, I fell asleep during the previews. So that, oh. that would be another classic me experience. But one more. Did you the twins took me once to see Pan's Labyrinth in theaters? You didn't yep. go with us for that. Did you go for that? Yeah, nobody told me that was subtitles, so that, that was an issue. <laughs> that was one of the <laughs> definitely better, fell asleep. That was one of the better foreign flicks that I, that I've seen. But again, so there there you go. We're not gonna spend a lot of time on this. What we are gonna do, however, our first guest segment at the very end of this episode. Uh, there's going to be a much longer in-depth conversation between two cinephiles, myself and my wife. And we're going to go in detail on what movies, uh, you know, this is going to impact uh, what ones we really wanted to see in the theater, kind of what this means for the industry as a whole. Uh, we love the movies. I, I have very much mixed feelings about this. I, I'm looking forward to watching Wonder Woman 84 on Christmas Day. But there's a whole bunch of these movies that I really want to see in the theater. And if they come out in the first half of the of the year, probably not going to the theater to see them. So uh, we'll have more for you at the end of the show. Stick around. Uh, Andy, uh, anything else that you want to say before we close out the show with our second list of the week? Hey, on the pop culture front, have you seen The Queen's Gambit? Oh, you okay? So I am only two episodes in, I believe. Did you finish it? Yeah, we watched it in two nights. I just, I'm so old, I just can't really binge very well anymore. Um, but yes, I'm very excited to finish this. This is this, this strokes all of my like nostalgic sweet spots. Um, I definitely been to uh, you know some chess tournaments in my day. Uh, but no spoilers, but like, give me your impression of the series overall. Oh, I, I mean, I thought the, so just going through the first, I thought the first two were great and I don't, I mean, it doesn't let up to the end. It is, it was one of those where it was like midnight and I was like, ah, do you think we can squeeze in another one? Like we usually go to bed at 11, but yeah, let's, you know, let's, let's stay up till one. So yeah, I, it was, it was fantastic. I thought it was great. I thought the acting was great. The story was, it kept me awake. So I, I think that's all you got to say is, is I stayed awake for every single episode. Okay. So again, no spoilers, but what kept like, so I, my April and I watched this and I was definitely more excited than she was. Uh, but again, we're still early, but like, what would you, t- so again, for people who haven't uh, heard of this Queens Gambit, it's just seven episodes, I believe on Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. And it is, you know, a, 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 you know, a girl who grows up, uh, and she's chess plays a central role in her life. And again, I've only seen two episodes, uh, so I'll leave it a very general. But what would you say to people who, you know, me, you know, I've played chess since a young age. I played in tournaments. 
this, you know, this is great for me. What would you say to people who don't have that connection to chess? Why should they tune into the show? Well, I, I mean, I don't think I have that. I, I know how the pieces move on a chess board, but I would say I'm, I don't have that emotional connection to chess. I mean, I watch it with my wife who I, I don't even know if she knows how to play. It's certainly not an interest of hers. I mean, it, it was way more of a, a human story. You know, it was, it, it was a person story. It was, it was just a deep dive into one life. I think it was fascinating to see the role that, that, I mean, the obsession that she had with chess. I think, I think you could have re- replaced that with a lot of different things and it still would have been an interesting story. So I, Sure, chess is the backdrop, but I, I don't think you have to have any particular interest in chess to watch it at all. It's it's just a human interest story. It's it's a deep dive into one life, and you know, I, a little bit of addiction, a little bit of obsession, and it was fascinating. Well, I am buoyed to hear that you enjoyed this. I'm definitely going to finish it. I believe uh, Netflix Netflix puts out stats basically with just just when it's good for Netflix. And I think that we were like 62 million households in the first like, you know, week or two of the of the show coming out. So this thing uh, is is hot fire, and uh, I'm very like much looking forward to finishing the season and season. And again, yeah, I, I love just like we're gonna do one season. It's gonna be seven to ten episodes. It's something very digestible, and I can be done with it. So I I love this format. I'm gonna crank out the last five episodes. Uh, hopefully this weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming along to those yeah, mini-series styles as well, where it's it's one story, one and done, maybe put in, what, six to ten hours on the story, and then you don't have to worry about a comeback for another season. I, I, that's I mean, I don't think that they've set this up for any sort of a follow-up, so I, I think when this one's done, it's definitely done. And I think I saw somewhere this is Netflix's most successful Netflix original production ever of any kind. So two thumbs up from us for this show. Um, and maybe we'll talk about it more in a later episode. All righty, Andy, let's get into it. Our second list of the week. It's the list of the week. And for this episode, we we're coming back to music. And in case you were worried that we were just two doddering old men, uh, we're, we're shifting genres. We're going about as far away from classic rock as you can get. This week, we're talking our top five favorite Taylor Swift songs. Let's go. <laughs> so, I just want to make up, you know, hopefully a, a, a somewhat bold statement. Pop music is good. There's nothing wrong with pop music. Like, let's just go if a song's catchy. Um, I love it. Let's let's play it again and again and again. So, uh, T Swift, what are your first thoughts when I say her name? American hero, <laughs> legend, my yeah. idol. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna pretend <laughs> to like really know anything about her like personally, um, but again, she's had a long musical career now, uh, and she is an undeniable force, right? Like. You cannot have existed in the world and listen to music and not at least know one or two Taylor Swift songs. Uh, and you know she, you know she started out more of a country singer and then it became you know this, you know this pop star. And I, and I don't, I haven't listened to her newer stuff as much to describe what style you would call it. Uh, but they're just 
you know, so many songs that are just built into the fabric of our culture. Um, and we love T Swift. We're not afraid to say it. No, I, not the least bit afraid to say it. And if anybody wants, anybody has a problem with that, absolutely come at me. She's a legend. So, so where this, I think where this probably came from was, so we watched Folklore. It came out on Disney Plus. So it's, she plays all of the songs from the new album and then kind of gives a little bit of a backstory. And she's hanging out with the people that she wrote and recorded the music with. So it's an album that she recorded completely during the pandemic. And it was really interesting. And, and it was it just reminded me how much I love, how much I love Taylor Swift. She doesn't give a fuck in this thing. She, she starts the, the first lines of the album where I'm on some new shit, which is not what you expect from Taylor Swift. Yeah. The very first line of the very first song is I'm on some new shit. And she is, I, I, I love it. So obviously, I mean, she has the controversy with, with scooter uh, you know about her music and that she doesn't own the rights to her music and she's pissed but the thing i love about taylor Swift is she doesn't get mad she she just doesn't give a fuck she's like i have fuck you money i have so much money that i can just tell you fuck you i don't care what you think and i love it she is just so bold she says whatever she's thinking and she's really not afraid when anybody has to say to her because she is more successful than anybody that speaks to her will ever be well I, tell us how you really feel andy um <laughs> i i, I co-sign all all of that again just to me it's just like again there's so much shit in this world that you know if, there, if there's something that makes you happy just by all means go for it enjoy that thing no shame you know i might i might you know mockingly you know joke about about your your interests but i don't really mean it seriously everybody's got to you know you know, take the things that make them happy and run with them. And one of those things is just like a good pop song. It's just, you know, just really uplifting sometimes. Um, and just really makes you feel good from a mood perspective. So um, anything else you want to say before we get into our list? No, I just, I wouldn't expect you to come at me too hard on the Taylor Swift. And uh, I think we'll see why later in the list. So if you, if you want to get started, go for it. Okay. Um, again, <laughs> I, this is, you know, again, I, I'm going to, I want to make one more clear, clarifying statement before I get into my list. And it's for all those people out here. This applies to, this applies to music. This applies to soccer. This applies to things where like lots of people can be interested in them, but then you have the like hardcore faction that wants to tell you why your thoughts are wrong. And what I'll say is this. They make these things called greatest hit CDs. They don't make things that are called, oh, well, actually this B-tier song that's actually better than you think, and this is really, you know, the best of this artist. So I'm going all top shelf, and again, there's so much top shelf with her, so there's plenty to pick from. There's nothing original on my list, um, but these are the songs that I just like to play. So uh, number five for me uh, is You Belong With Me just a great song just a great like you know that angsty teenage like young adult like i just want somebody in my life um so again all of her stuff is so catchy uh love this song number five for me yeah it didn't come out when we were in high school but it kind of feels like it did because just the way it makes you it makes you feel like yeah they could have played that at a dance that we were at 
Absolutely. Great pick. All right, you're number five. Number five, shake it off. It's just fun. I mean, do I think it's probably one of, like, objectively one of her best songs? No. I was curious what other people thought, so I was looking at some top lists, and this made a lot of the, like, not top ten lists for Taylor Swift. Fuck all you people. It's just a fun song. This is number three on my list, so I I 100% co-sign if 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 there's like a definition of catchy if there's just something that one that makes you tap your foot it is shake it off like let's go uh this is yeah. this is peak taylor for me i don't how could this not you know this is if it's not in your top five it has to be one of the runners up uh it, yeah easy for me easy for me that's a song you have like half a beer and you're like i'm dancing to this absolutely uh we need to get some more of this again i'm I'm a big proponent of the typical wedding reception. The first half an hour, 45 minutes or so, we need to start cycling some of these traditional songs out. And again, shake it off, put it in there. Let's go. Who's not going to get up and dance to that? You can play that with the, it's clean enough that you can even play when the old people are still there. Absolutely. Okay. So you gave her four. uh, It was my number three. I'm going to give my number four right now, which we have, there's video evidence of how much I enjoy this song. (laughs) Picture to burn. (laughs) Number two on my list. And it's number two on my list. I think because of that night, I mean, if there is one song that takes me back to Columbus, that's the song. It's not an Ohio state song. It's not hang on sloopy It's picture to burn. Okay. So, on Facebook somewhere, I'm gonna maybe see if I can find this again, and we'll we'll post it. We'll post it somewhere for your for everyone's enjoyment. We were at a at a friend's apartment. We were drinking. Um, I, when I drink, I am want to put on a hat for whatever reason. It's the only time I like to wear a hat. <laughs> and there's at least three or four guys in this very small room that are singing "Picture to Burn" at the top of their lungs. But with the way the camera is being held, the only one that you can see in the frame really is me. Uh, and I'm certainly singing along enthusiastically. Uh, most of my Taylor is from the pop era. Um, this, you know, goes back a little earlier. But what just what a great, like, you know, uh, you know, trying to get over your, your, your ex and just not giving a shit. Like, just what a wonderful song. Yeah, I don't remember that being four guys singing at the top of their lungs. I remember that being maybe four guys lightly singing along and then you (laughs) jump in the front with a microphone and say, hold on, boys, I'm taking you on a ride. Oh, wow. What a a great memory. I agree. Those are the days. That one comes out. That takes me back every time. Okay, so we kind of screwed up the order again. So we've we've all given our... Our top three. So you're number two, I think we're at, or you're number. No, three. I haven't even given my four yet. Okay, go. <laughs> uh, my number four Taylor Swift song is a "Love Story." It's cheesy. It's it. In some ways, it's brutal, but it's it's exactly that that song that again didn't come out when we were in high school, but it just feels like it did. So I, I think that's my cheesy Taylor Swift love song. Which, if you're talking about Taylor songs, you got to have one on there. Fair enough. It was a runner-up. It was probably number six on my list, and it easily could have been in the top five. So no, no judgment at all on that. Okay, so I have two songs left that we have not discussed. 
I'm going to, for my number two, you need to calm down. Solid. Not on my top five, but that's a good song. I just, for whatever reason, the like, the like, the notes in the background, I don't know if that's like, yeah, it's probably just synth or something fake or whatever, but like the, the beat, the bass behind it is just, it's so like addictive. It so just makes me want to like tap my foot along to it. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's Taylor with an edge. I've always, uh, appreciated people in my life who, you know, are, you know, I, I love them very much, but they have an edge to them and you can cut yourself, you know, they, they push you to be good and, uh, be better because they're good. And, and the song has a little bit of an edge to it. And, and man, so catchy. Number two on my list. That's a solid choice. So I'm still at number three on my list because we're all kind of out yep. of order. Uh-huh. Um, number three on mine is Fearless. That's maybe one that's, I don't know, I feel, I feel like that's a little less top shelf. That's like second tier maybe. But but that was the song early on in her career, I think. You know, it's, it's from the second album. And I think that's when you knew she wasn't just going to be a flash. That that was like Taylor Swift has staying power kind of song to me. Like she came out with the first record and it's like, okay, that, that was good. Is she going to be like a one hit? And when that song came out, it's like, oh shit, she's here to stay. Okay. All right. I buy it. All right. Before I give my number one, I'm curious to see what your number one is. Like, I really don't follow her enough to know if there is a consensus number one pick. Um, I'm going to give a, a song that did not make my list. And it's less about the song itself. But Bad Blood did not make my list. And the reason why is, I love you, Taylor Swift, but you cannot mess with Katy Perry. Uh, (laughs) There's a reason that for many years that when I called my wife, the ringtone for me calling was Dark Horse by Katy Perry. And that's because Katy Perry, if you're again, if we're talking pop stars again, right up or there with Taylor, love her music. I, I don't want these two to fight. Uh, so bad blood, you did not make my list. Love me some Katy Perry. Uh, number one on my list is Wildest Dreams. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, that did not make mine, but nice. I love this song. Um, and really just like, you know, we talked a little bit when I made my fifth pick Fleetwood Mac, and it's just that like siren song, like haunting, uh, you know, you know, voice about somebody important in your life or whatever. Uh, and just it's so it's like it's, you know, nostalgic. It's bittersweet. It's like the right mix of like yearning, but not, you know, not depressing. Um really just and she really just there's a point in the song where like the the music just comes like flooding out at you and she and she belts out the chorus and it's like wow this is this is amazing so uh this was easy this was an easy number one for me uh this is my go-to taylor interesting i i would you took some of the the slower more ballady taylor songs i thought you would have skewed a little heavier towards the poppier one so that, that's interesting that was your number one i like it okay who do you have or what do you have Oh, there's only way if you follow me on social media, you should know the answer to this because I probably once every two months I, I get on my horse about how great this song is. Um, ladies and gentlemen, will you please stand for the greatest song of all time, Lover? <laughs> yeah. The right version. Not the one not the one she did with Sean Mendez. That's trash. The real one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes, that is a that is a that is a good song. Easily could have made my list. 
just just didn't make again there's so much to pick from like you're you're spoiled for choices uh but yeah i saw i saw your uh your greatest song ever tweet so i was not i'm not surprised it's the goat song it's not even close i, I will not entertain other options it's the greatest the first time i heard that song i said that's it guys pack it up and go home you're all playing for second place <laughs> oh man so again like i just her music just makes me happy like there's just no there's just yep. no better way to put it so um taylor swift congratulations um definitely you have two huge fans here on uh, buckeye dad's discuss so uh man what a fun way to end an episode andy like man, man i'm so glad that we're back uh we took a little break for thanksgiving and whatnot um and but man uh what a, what a great show i really enjoyed this yeah, it's a bright spot in a little bit of a dark world, man. Taylor Swift bring, <laughs> brings the joy. That that top five list, I agree. That that was a blast. Good to be back. Good to to spend some time with you. Talk yes. about what's going on. So this this was a good one. Absolutely. Um, I just want to close out real quick. I want to give a a huge uh, shout out to my father who is recovering from uh, pretty serious surgery uh, he had earlier this week. Uh, we love him very much and uh, and hope his recovery uh, goes smoothly and easily. Uh, he's not a person that takes well to just sitting around and, and healing up, uh, but that's what he needs right now. So I just wanted to give a big shout out to him. Hello, everyone. So we have a guest for the very first time, Buckeye Dads Discuss. Uh, April, welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. So everyone hears me at the very end of every show say that you edit our podcast. Uh, what other things do you do in the Stoll household? <laughs> what things do I not do in this Stoll household? Um, mother of three, wife to you, most days I claim you. <laughs> um, keep track of schedules, run children, also work full time. So all the fun mom life things. Responsible for the double puppy that we have in our household. Yes, that unfortunately was my idea and it might have been the worst idea I've had. <laughs> for our family in a while she's a good dog she spent a lot of work i need to get that in writing please <laughs> never you make a bad decision every now and then <laughs> never all right april so earlier in this episode uh andy and i discussed very briefly that movies would now be coming to streaming services very early on andy heretically just shit all over the movie going experience and i gave him uh a whole bunch of shit for it <laughs> Uh, there are very few people that I know that enjoy movies more than you. So tell everyone, what do you love about uh, going to movies, theaters, uh, just movies in general? Oh, where to begin? So the movie going experience really started for me at home when I was little. And it was just my mom and I back then. I would watch Disney movies over and over and over again. And my mom's best friend, Tracy, shout out to Tracy, hey girl, um, would indulge me and just sit and watch the same movie with me over and over and over again. Mary Poppins being my ultimate favorite Disney movie of all time. It still is. And that's where it really started for me. And then the first movie I remember very vividly going to the theater to see was Titanic when I was about seven or eight years old which is a really long, drawn-out movie, but I got so immersed in 
the showing and everything about it, the music, the acting, that I think at eight years old I was just like, this is what I love. This is what I want to do in my free time. This is what I want to just learn as much as I can about and watch as many movies as I possibly can. And from there forward, I probably watched any movie I could find on TV um, on TNT and TBS that reshow older movies and newer movies, and then the movie theater started getting all of my money when I could actually go to the theater with my friends or by myself or with my future husband or the few men that came before him <laughs> and have a good time with people, and that's just my go-to if I have a choice of what I want to do with my free time. Yeah, so the, the pandemic has hit everybody hard. Um, as I've said on the show before, and I think you readily agree, I really just want to go uh, able to take you out to dinner and go for us to go see a movie together. Uh, it's really the simple things, and I just love going to the theater. I'm sure it will pain you uh, to know that I've still never seen Titanic before. Um, no surprise. My The first movie I remember going to see in the theater with my siblings, with my family, was The Lion King. And I remember that just being really cool, getting to actually go uh, to the theater. Uh, and that's a movie now that plays in our house, you know, maybe five times a week or so. Yes, our middle son absolutely loves it. And you and I, very much the same age, raised on raised on Disney uh, in the early days and, and in the middle days and in the late days. But yeah, like you said, you love movies. That's, that's apparent. Uh, I, uh, I'd say our genres intersect somewhat. Uh, you have a wider a wider range. I've converted you to uh, enjoy many movies that I would say in the early years of our relationship you would not would have been a huge fan of. I'd say Star Wars, Marvel, getting really into the MCU. I am very much into the MCU, that which comes as a surprise to me, but I think it's just so immersive. And is that a word? Immersible? No. <laughs> no, I just made that up. All right. Immersive. Immersive. There we go. And like, how do you not? When you get started with one, you just get sucked into all of them, and it's just so good. So let's try and take that to apply that to Lord of the Rings. Maybe oh, in the future. I mean, if we have to. Um, Can you sit down and watch Harry Potter with me then? Yeah, it's not like I don't <laughs> partake of Harry Potter. We have all the books downstairs. Um, but yeah, so again, April April has a much wider range of movies that she uh, is a fan of and will actively seek out. I am much more, you know, narrow-minded as far as I'm really looking for the big blockbusters, the, the comic book movies, the sci-fi, the fantasy, the action movies. Um, I uh, made you go see The Expendables with me. Top five worst movie ever. At one point, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, even while acknowledging it's horrible. So you and I, we love to go see a movie. We love to go to eat. We love to go see a movie. Um, it's definitely our core date night activity. Which has disappeared right now, which is hard. Really hard. So let's get into it. Um, big news came out this past week. Yes, it did. Uh, can you walk us through it? So last week, Warner Brothers, the WB, announced that their entire slate of movies that were going to be released in theaters for the 2021 year is going to also go straight to their streaming service, which is HBO Max. They are going to still have a theatrical run. However, the day they come out in theaters, they're also going to be on their streaming platform, which has just never happened before and is 
new territory for all streaming services and especially for ones that are going to be theatrical releases that are bigger movies. Um, movies like the uh, Wonder Woman will be the first one on Christmas Day. So obviously I think the goal for HBO Max is to get more subscribers and they want people to use their service and bring that all that comes with it. So movies like The Suicide Squad, Dune, Tom and Jerry is a, a kid one that will be coming to streaming, The Conjuring, Mortal Kombat, The New Space Jam with LeBron James, The Matrix 4, if that's still your thing now. I don't know who those people are, but shout out to you. Um, uh, and the list goes on and on. There's quite a few of them that will be coming to the streaming service, and I think it's just the first of many dominoes to fall as far as the world changing from the theater experience to an at-home theater experience, which is good and bad. So depending on how you like to get your movies and with the pandemic going on in the world right now, I think it's best case scenario for people at home and why not try it out if you're the studio. So I give them a lot of credit for seeing how it goes and Hopefully it works for both ends of the spectrum, but we'll have to wait and see. Okay, so there's a lot of aspects that need to be dealt into for this. Uh, of course, me and my long-winded nature, let's go through all of them. Okay. Um, first first off, just to add one point of clarity, again, they're going to come on to HBO Max. They will only be available for the first month on the service. Yes, and they will stay in theaters longer than that, where most of them will for their theatrical run, and then once the theatrical is run is complete, they will go back to the streaming service. Okay, so it's going to be somewhat of a limited time. Again, a month, you know, should give you plenty of weekend. Uh, pick a weekend that works for you. Um, I know you and I are particularly excited to watch Wonder Woman, maybe even on Christmas Day, worst case scenario, the day after. And, you know, we'll be able to watch that with the kids. Um, it's going to be, you know, these are not, pay-per-view correct these are just going to be on the service correct and it's not like the disney mulan release that you had to pay extra money even when you had the service to then watch the movie premiere but these are going to just be if you have hbo max this is on your tv screen the day it releases right so we we realized that hbo max is doing this was they need eyeballs right so netflix has been in the game for forever they have a you know a dominant structure in place already infrastructure in place uh, Disney Plus has skyrocketed in the year or so that they've been out now. Uh, you know, kind of buoyed by The Mandalorian as their original show. That's and just, if you have kids, that's just the easiest place to go. Yeah, I mean, if we we have pretty much all of the streaming services, for the most part. We don't yeah. have Peacock. Correct. But we have pretty much everything else. I would say Disney Plus is the most essential one of all that we have right now. If you take out Hulu. If you take out the sports part of Hulu Live, uh, I would completely agree with that, yeah. I mean, again, it's just, if you have children, you know, it can be critical. It can be, you know, life-saving. Um, and then you, you have things like The Mandalorian. You have all of the MCU collection for the most part and the Star Wars collection. And whatnot. So Disney Plus is skyrocketed. HBO Max with their horrible, horrible name and marketing campaign and how to actually get the service has kind of 
floundered by comparison? Yeah, I think they hurt themselves just in the sense that nobody knew if you had HBO, but you just automatically got HBO Max, or if you had to buy it separately, or what it included, or if things came out on HBO Max, do you also get it on HBO? It was just so confusing, and I think people were just like, oh, I'll just wait and see what even this is about, but HBO Max has one of the best movie libraries I've seen that aren't Disney movies, so... If you haven't tried the service, it is going to be more than worth it to give it a go, I would say, at least when Wonder Woman get, comes out. Why not, right? Exactly. So they're, they're making this obvious play to increase their subscriber base. Um, again, I, Wonder Woman 84 seems, 1984 seems like a very good uh, movie to start with on Christmas Day. Let's kind of go into some of these movies that are coming out here. So... Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 leads leads off the schedule again. I would say that this character is carrying what's left of the DC franchise. Absolutely, um, and they kind of shot themselves in the foot just because this should have been released before the pandemic even hit. And Patty Jenkins asked for more time, which they indulged her with, which I'm sure she knows what she's doing. But I'm sure they both were like. We should have <laughs> been on schedule for this to begin with and wouldn't have to worry about this. But they would have plenty of other movies that they would also have to worry about. So this is just the first domino. So I think Wonder Woman overly exceeded expectations with the first movie. And I think if you ask most comic book moviegoers, they say that that movie is excellent. So I think there will be a lot of eyeballs on this movie to want to see it and want to see where the franchise is going. And I think DC is holding on by the skin of its teeth with this movie. So I think they're really hoping it excels. And I, I find it really hard to be able to know how well it does. I guess you're just going off people that have added HBO as a subscription to know how popular this movie is. I mean, I don't know. Um, how you get those numbers. Obviously, it'll still be in theaters, but I think such such a small amount of people are going to theaters right now. It's going to be really hard to be able to see how do you rage if this is a success or not. For sure. Like, I think it's going to release, you know, internationally, presumably, at some point. And, you know, again, who knows how much, uh, what percentage of international revenue you're going to get from that. You know, a lot, a lot of places in the world are doing better than we are, but there's still probably... Not a whole lot of people who are eager to go run out and sit in a theater with a bunch of other people for three hours. So we won't know. We're only going to know about it if it was good. You know, if it was bad, they're not going to release any statistics that are actually meaningful. Um, I mean, do you think that's even a possibility? Like, is this going to have a bad... It's the first one. I don't think bad is even going to be an option. I think it's going to be, did it hit the mark you wanted it to hit for as many people as you thought were going to watch it or going to subscribe to it? Or is it going to, like, underachieve in that circumstance? But I think it's going to blow out of the water anything that's come in the past year. Well, okay. Yes, you're correct. Allow me to rephrase. It's either going to be, if it's disappointing from a projection perspective, we won't hear about that. It will be, you know, we will just hear the, you know, the raw numbers. This is going to be a crazy, you know. Do you think they release that, though? Netflix is very keep it to the chest. We don't release a lot of numbers. Do you think HBO Max is going to be more forthcoming well, with that? But Netflix releases the numbers that are good for them, right? So, Sometimes, yeah. So Queen's Gambit, <laughs> they say, oh, 62 million households have watched this and it's our number one show. Right. We don't hear about all the shit that comes out of there. that they Which just is a lie, yeah. Rug. Um, so I expect that we're going to hear the total number 
one way or another. Whether people think it's good or not, if it exceeded expectations or underwhelmed expectations, I think this is going to be great. I mean, it's going to be this and Soul, right? Like, those are the two For things sure. that are... Yep, that releases out. on Disney Plus on Christmas Day as right? well. So those are going to be the two things that everybody's home for the holidays. These movies are going to do crazy numbers. Mm-hmm. But crazy numbers adjusted for TV. I mean, what is that going to be from a dollar's perspective? What is that going to be? I don't, yeah, a, I don't know how you judge that. I don't know how you judge... You know, it's been box office numbers have been how you judge a movie's success for so long now that I feel like being able to judge the success of it when it comes out in a different platform, a different way will be really hard and a big learning curve all the studios are going to have to adjust to. For sure. So, I mean, I think probably we're going to look at subscriber numbers as being the biggest tell. Um, and you worry if it's, this is just Wonder Woman, you say, okay, well, a bunch of people are going to subscribe. They're going to watch Wonder Woman and then they're going to unsubscribe. But now we have 2021, we have the whole slate coming out. I think that's the whole point of having the whole slate and not having just Wonder Woman because people would do exactly what you're saying. All right, so give us some of these movies that you're most excited about. Um, So I'm very excited for The Suicide Squad. I love James Gunn. I think he is an amazing director, and I can't wait to see what he has done with this movie. Anything that comes out about it just makes me laugh, and I love everything I've seen him do, so... I can't wait for that. Um, Dune, I don't know a lot about Dune. I've never read Dune from what I can see from the trailer. And what I've heard is this is very surprising that this is not a theatrical release because it is made for theaters as well as Godzilla vs. Kong. (laughs) Those are totally not my kind of movies. Those are very much my husband's kind of movies. So... I mean, I those would never be something I would watch at home. I don't know who those people are. Is that you? That's that's who people are looking for. That's you. You want to watch Godzilla vs. Kong at home? That just sounds so crazy to me. Like I feel like those movies make a movie theater screen look small. So how do you watch something like that at home and feel like you get the same experience? Okay, so there's a lot there. Um, Suicide Squad... I'm less excited about than you. I just wanted to just throw in the towel on, on DC and all the, the ancillary stuff. Like, DC's done Wonder Woman well. DC has done Aquaman. I find thoroughly enjoyable. Everything else, take it or leave it. Uh, especially, you saw Joker. I didn't see Joker. The first Suicide Squad movie was absolute garbage. Birds of Prey was meh at best, I would say. So, Love Guardians of the Galaxy. James Gunn, I'm sure, will do great things, but I'm just not particularly interested about it. Dune and Godzilla vs. Kong are two of my biggest anticipation movies for 2021. And I am so torn about what the actual, you know, how to actually experience these movies. So, I don't know if you have the dates on hand. So, again... I do not. So, if Dune comes out, or Godzilla vs. Kong comes out, say, after um, you can get a vaccine, do you take the road of, I'm going to a theater, because these are theater movies? Absolutely. 100%. Um, you know. I think Dune is later in 2021. I think that's one of the latest releases, right. but don't that, quote me on that. And that's the thing. Like, if anything's coming out in the back half of 2021, by all means, I'm going to a theater. Like, I'm not. Those two movies in particular. Yeah, and some of these are very much a, like, I would not pay money to go see these in a theater anyway. 
So yeah, mm-hmm. put them on my streaming service and I will then probably watch them where I wouldn't of going having to pay money to go to a theater. Like, I mean, my son loves Tom and Jerry, but I'm not spending $25 for the two of us to go see Tom and Jerry in a movie theater because how different can it be than the Tom and Jerry that's mm-hmm. on Netflix right now? Like, there's that, The Conjuring. I don't really do, like, creepy horror movies, so I wouldn't be spending my money to do that either. But for all those people, I will definitely see the new Space Jam movie. I don't know that I need to see that in a theater, though, so I'll definitely watch that. It's cool. And I just don't really know what to expect of Matrix 4. It's been a really long time since I watched The Matrix, (laughs) and other than the first movie, I'm not really sure that that's the greatest trilogy. Yeah, I mean, that trilogy slides down a hill pretty quickly. Real quick, yeah. You go from groundbreaking to garbage, I think, over the course of three movies. Absolutely. Um, But I mean, so I think you and I agree that there's a certain tier of movie that this is fine for, right? That, yeah. You know, you and I did a, you know, we had a weekend where we shipped the kids off to the grandparents' house and we watched a bunch of movies in preparation uh, for the Oscars. Bad Boys 3 is going to win an Oscar. Just throw that out there. Because there's been no other movies this year. Your love of Bad Boys the franchise. If you hate Bad Boys, just get the fuck out. <laughs> I can't. Fair enough. <laughs> um, there's a certain class of movie... And and, the, and that covers a wide range, right? Either, you know, the, the kids movie. So maybe some of these, you know, Oscar type movies. Um, or maybe just some of these middling movies where you could take it or leave it. Where it's okay to watch those at home, right? Like, your, you know, your experience is not going to be the same. But it's not something that's going to be so thoroughly diminished that you're just going to walk away and say, man, I really wish I would have saw this in the theater. But there, there is a clear line to me. And movies like Dune and Godzilla vs. Kong and, I mean, some of these other movies, again, like, if they would push Wonder Woman back so I could see it in the theater, if I can see No Time to Die in the theater, I'm 100% going to do that. Right. Um, And to me, there is something so special, so enjoyable about going to a movie on opening weekend, sitting in a crowd... Of people and ooing and eyeing and everybody really being into the movie that they came to see. I just don't think you can replace that. You um, can't. You can't. And home. I mean, I think that matters to a lot of cinephiles. I think it doesn't matter as much to a lot of people that are completely content, like Andy, to just sit at home and rather, I'd rather watch the movie on my couch. Like, and there's lots of people like that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But for those of us that really, really enjoy the theater experience and what brings with it comes with the theater experience, I love that I can sit in a movie theater and I can be with you or I can be with 20 people and I literally forget that you're there because if the movie is good enough, I am completely engrossed in what is going on in the movie and I don't even notice what's going on around me. And if it's a movie like Avengers Endgame where you're playing on the hype of the people that you're with in the theater, that movie-going experience was something I've never experienced before. Like, everyone is on the edge of their seat and so excited for what's coming that it's, like, electric in the movie theater and there's just no way you can replace that sitting at home with your family and watching the watching the same movie. Absolutely. I mean, some of the, you know, the best, you know, just entertainment experiences of my last couple of years are, you know, um, 
Last Jedi when you get the, you know, Snoke getting killed and you get the throne room lightsaber duel uh, when, you, you know, you realize that Cap's worthy to wield Thor's hammer and it comes to him at the, end of the Avengers Endgame and, and Cap says Avengers Assemble and just these, these uh, you know, movie moments that just are so amplified by having so many other people there. I mean, there's some points of these movies where you go, you can barely hear what they're saying on screen because people are cheering and hollering or whatever. And that's just, you know, the thing to me that can never be replaced. Um, and I'm just worried that if enough people don't feel that way, you know, this is the beginning of that. And this feels like the toothpaste is out of the tube. And although this is only supposed to be a 2021 arrangement, so theaters can recoup the cost of, you know, they got to make some money. They got to stay in business. This feels like something that you can't, you know, go back, back from. Right. I mean, if this is what HBO considers to be a huge success, or I should say the WB considers to be a huge success, then how, when 2022 comes along, do you just say, oh, we're not releasing anything that comes in theater than on the streaming service like we did before? Even though that's what got us subscribers, people are going to leave your streaming service. What are you going to – I watched this movie. Now I watched it 20 times. I don't need to be – you're banking then that you have TV shows or other movies or whatever else you have on the service to keep people and – there is so much available right now that if you don't have the new shiny thing, people are going to walk away and we're going to get to the point where we're paying the same amount in streaming services that we paid for cable and people are going to make choices. And if you want to be the thing that people decide to keep, you have to have a reason for people to want to pay the money to keep you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, let's think in some weird alternate universe where you and I didn't have kids. That sounds very strange. And boring. And, <laughs> Quiet. Yeah, you know, rich. And <laughs> and but if you and I didn't have any kids, we had Disney Plus. And would we Man- have Disney Plus? The well, Mandalorian. We, yes, yes, we would. But the Mandalorian season ends. Right. I would definitely. We would unsubscribe. A hundred percent. And we would wait until, you know, another, you know, six months or nine months or whatever it is until it comes back again. Yeah. And then we would subscribe again. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you know, eventually, you know, Disney Plus plans on having all A these more. MCU shows and all that. And they would, you know, the pandemic threw off them getting to this level. But eventually they plan to be at a level where you can't unsubscribe. Mm-hmm. You need to be subscribed for the whole year. Right. Um, but again, like you said, it, we, we just can't know what the break even point is yet of, how many subscribers do they need mm-hmm. in order to compensate for the loss of all that ticket revenue and everything that they get from going to the movie theaters? Um, and I'm sure over the course of 2021, especially as we get into the back half of the year, we're going to learn more about that and see who's doing well and who's not. Um you know, it's just something that we can't know right now. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest question coming from this is, what is the next domino to fall afterwards? You know, like, does this force the hand of other studios to follow in tow? Does this force the hand of then the WB themselves to say, hey, we can't just stop doing this. This is working. Customers like this. We need to maybe not release a, you know, Wonder Woman 1984 movie on the streaming immediately, but maybe a lot of these movies we could go right to streaming and we could make a lot more movies. There's a lot of people that want to make movies and we could have a lot more variety of movies that are just not, 
you know, MCU movies or not, you know, the big name directors that always get their movies made because of who they are, a lot more people would get their movie made if it was a bigger spectrum of people willing to hand out the money to do so. So I think that this does force the hand a little bit of other studios to maybe not do exactly what the WB is doing, but if you're the MCU right now, what are you waiting for? I know you don't want to be the people that put the chick flick movie on the streaming service because it's the only, like, other than uh, Captain Marvel, you know, this is a movie that should have came out five years ago, to, if we all want to be honest, you know. But Marvel, you know, bid their time and it came out, you know, towards the end of it. And I mean, I think that when you're getting to the point of everything getting pushed back for so long, that you could put an MCU movie on the Disney streaming service and charge a hundred dollars and people are going to pay to watch that. So, I mean, I just don't think that you can wait any longer than may. If it comes to the point for the MCU that black widow cannot come out in may because people, the coronavirus is just not under control whatsoever and theaters still aren't open in most of the United States. I don't think you have a choice. I think you're at the point where, okay, we have so many things lined up. I mean, I think that's the only thing that is kind of hurting them right now is that because of how intertwined everything is, they can't just jump to the next thing. So why not release it? Why not say, hey, here it is. You're paying extra money for it because we're going to, we need to pay ScarJo all this money we owe her <laughs> for it not getting released in theaters. And, you know, here it is, you know, watch it a hundred times. We don't care. It's on the Disney service now. If you pay for it, knock yourself out. And then it comes on the service, you know, like Mulan did. Like I just watched Mulan over this past weekend. I didn't pay the extra money for it because I didn't feel like I needed to. I just waited till it was on the Disney service. And it was probably what, I think a couple months after it came mm-hmm. out initially Um, if people want to wait, then you can wait a couple months and be behind, you know, and that's totally fine too for the people that aren't big MCU people. You know, it's not jacking up your monthly normal Disney Plus rate. It's just asking you to pay extra for something that everyone really wants. And I think someone else doing this first might twist, uh, the MCU's you hand a little bit. New Mulan sucked. New Mulan was amazing. You barely watched it. So just... Get the fuck out. It was missing all of the music that made the first Mulan movie. Mulan music so is overrated, so let's not go, let's not go there. Cute. You and I can have a Disney pod one day where we talk about all the ridiculous Disney movies that you love and I don't like and vice versa. I can't piss off my wife and my editor. I just can't do it. It's not a good idea. <laughs> we'll have to say that for another, another time. Um, yeah, I mean, the reason that they've been holding off on it is because Marvel movies just print money. I mean, absolutely, it, duh. you know, it's a billion with a B um, as far as what they what they can gross. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, you know, and they've done this before, though, right? Like, we've had stretches where Avengers Endgame came out, and then Spider Man comes out just two months later. Yep. You know, we've had um, that's two I, different studios, though. Thank you. <laughs> that is correct. Um, but didn't we have? Black Panther and Captain Marvel were both very quick or, you know, uh... I mean, there's definitely been a couple of years where the MCU's had, like, four movies come out in a year, so they've had to right. come out within a few months of each other, yeah. So, I mean, we can hold off a little bit longer and do Black Widow and then 
you know, depending, it just depends. The TV adds a whole new wrinkle now, right? Right. Do any of the TV shows tie into something that needs to come out before the movie comes out? Great. So. Um, and I think we, we just learned just today, I think maybe that the, uh, the TV shows are only going to be six episodes per season. Did you see that? Some of us already knew that. But oh, I did, yeah. I did not. So. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I mean, obviously the order of operations doesn't matter as far as when things come out. I mean, there's already been talk that No Time to Die uh, has been, they've been flirting with Apple as far as potentially selling that there. I mean, how much money would you pay to watch that at home? I know you don't want to watch it at home, but if you don't have an option of watching it, you're not going to go to the theater now, even if it gets released in the theater. Okay, what's, if I don't choose to watch it on streaming, how many months do I have to wait? Let's say three months. Oh, see, if it's only three months, I would say like $30 maybe. But if it was like thirty dollars, that's all you're willing to pay. But if it was like, but yeah, because three months, I mean, goes by in the blink of an eye. Now that we're old and we have kids, and wow, babe, thanks. Um, but if it's like six months, you know, if it's like nine months, then like I'm I'm going up to like fifty bucks or whatever, like for the, those premium top shelf movies. That's you know, again, that's you know, you and I would go spend twenty dollars on tickets and another you know ten dollars on. Uh, you know, snacks, and, and then there's dinner and all that in there, or whatever. So, like, 50 bucks is something for a premium movie, but, like, there are, you're right, there definitely would be people who pay 100 bucks for a premium movie. I'm not one of those people, so that's... If Black Widow gets offered on Disney Plus for $100, I'm paying for that, so... That's going to be a conversation. <laughs> that's, that will be on the screen, so... <laughs> Okay, so I think we pretty much covered most of it. Is there anything else that you kind of like was jumping out of you about this news? I don't, nothing in particular, I don't think. I just think it came as such a big surprise to everyone, which I don't really know why. It probably shouldn't have, because I think the movie theaters and um, the studios kind of had to figure something out and like to play both sides it's getting released in theaters for those people that are like yo coronavirus isn't real i'm never gonna get it so i'll go to the theater and um those of us that are like i'm gonna hide in my home because i don't want to get coronavirus so um i think for both ends of the spectrum they're pleasing both sides and they're just gonna wait and see how it goes i don't know i don't think um no i don't think there was anything else special do you no, I mean, it does just make me wonder if we're going to look back at this time and just say, I mean, as we will with so many other things, like, did we launch into a new era? Did things kind of irrevocably change? And it feels like this could be one of the, you know, obviously something small, you know, the grand scheme of things, as far as movies, you know, how movies are released and how people consume them. Um, but, I don't think this is small. I think this is... Yeah, I mean, this I think changes this an is, industry, a multi-billion yeah, dollar industry. I think this is big. I think it changes a lot of things going in the future. I don't think it's going to be that you watch all these big blaster... Big blaster... <laughs> big blockbuster movies at home. But I do think it's going to be that there are going to be a lot more things available to your home a lot quicker. So, And I don't think that's a bad thing. All right, that sounds like a good place to leave it. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye. All righty, Indio. This has been another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss, and we'll talk to you guys later. Stay safe, Ohio. Buckeye Dads Discuss is a podcast hosted by Andy and Josh. It's edited by April. You can find us on social media at 
Buckeye Dads on Twitter. And you can email the show at Buckeye Dads Discuss at gmail.com.